Amen. Thank you, Shane. Take your Bibles, if you have one this evening, and turn to the book of Mark, chapter 6. Mark, chapter 6. Has there ever been a time when you've gotten tired of well-doing? Just, just tired. You just go on and on, and it just seems like things catch up with you, and you've got this problem and this situation. Everything just seems to mount, and oh, you get tired. Longing for that rest. And then, just before you get that rest, you get that phone call, and your life gets turned upside down, and you get spinning once again, and everything takes off once again with no rest. There's an amazing story in the Bible with Jesus and his disciples. And every time I read this, I get so grieved for the disciples because I just I, I get tired for them. We're going to look at that here this evening. Let me read for you just a couple of verses. We'll pray and then get into the lesson. But in Mark chapter 6, let me read for you verses 30 and 31. This is following up. Jesus sent out his disciples. and They went two by two and they, they preached. And the apostles gathered themselves together then unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. Ah, oh, doesn't that sound glorious? Now, when he says a desert place, that's not a place where he's going to cook them out in the intense heat. Just, just, just a nice, quiet place. Just for the sake of our imagination, think of a nice oasis out there. You're going to go out, and there's a nice palm tree and a little pool of water out there. You're going to sit and watch the, the fish. and It's just a oh, place of rest. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. This is how our story begins. The disciples are excited to come back from their journey, and they're, they're, they're tired from all the, the, uh, the emotional energy they've expelled in sharing the gospel and preaching and, 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 and he, seeing people healed and all these incredible things that happened, and they can't wait to tell Jesus, Everything that happened. And Jesus said, listen, it's too busy here. There's too many people coming and going here. Let's, let's, let's go apart and get alone and just catch up on a little rest. Just saying that word, rest. That sound wonderful? Well, forget it because you're not going to get any right now. And so let's pray and ask God to meet with us at this time. Dear Lord, thank you for your love and your blessing. And thank you so much for the wonderful day we've had today. Thank you for the services this morning. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity once again to meet together. And we need your counsel tonight. We need your intervention, your spirit. So meet with us afresh, I pray, and we'll thank you for it. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure some of those disciples had gotten beat up pretty badly, beaten up emotionally and possibly even physically as they were out there sharing the gospel in these various parts of Galilee. Jesus came back to Nazareth, and he could do very little there. They did not believe. And so Jesus, after that poor reception in his homeland, sent his disciples out two by two to share the gospel, to preach this message. And they're, they're really novices. They're, they're new to the ministry. This is the first ministering opportunity they've had going out on their own. So they come back, and they're excited to tell Jesus what happened. And uh, verse 32, they departed into a desert place by ship privately. Jesus gave them something to look forward to. 
Jesus encouraged them by directing them to a private desert spot they'd have to reach by ship. Everybody's on land here, so guys, go get in the boats and go across the lake, and we'll spend some time across there, try to get away from the hubbub, from the mass of people. They received new strength just by hearing him say, let's go get rest. And you know that's true. When you have something to look forward to, a vacation coming, a day off, something where you know you're going to have that and it's not far away, you know how that gives you energy today in the midst of your trials to get through. And that's what happened here. Just the fact that Jesus said, fellas, go get in the ship. Well, that means work. You're in a boat, you got to work. But they didn't care because it was a means to an end of rest. They got a new vision. They got a new vision. You see, they had been expelling, and now Jesus said, I'm going to give you a new vision, a new hope. And that hope is, fellas, we're going to meet over yonder and have some rest time. A new vision. Sometimes we need new visions. New dreams to keep us going. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. And I understand there's a different application here, but that's certainly appropriate. But he that keepeth the law happy is he. Before coming out here, I got to go deer hunting for the first time. And that was something that I had been dreaming of for years. I remember when all the details were coming together and and I, was, uh, I had the, the date on my calendar. And I remember watching videos of deer hunting and, and, and how, to, how, to, how to shoot the deer and where to shoot the deer and, and what do you do after you shoot the deer and, and, and all, the, all these things. And I remember the days leading up to that, I got so excited I couldn't sleep nights. It's incredible. And I was working all, all day long, but I was so excited. And then the morning came, and of course, you've got to be out in your, dree, your, dree, your tree stand long before the sun comes up. And so that night, you virtually get no sleep because you're excited and you've got to get up way early in the morning and you're out there. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible. It was that, that vision, that, that excited event that I had out there that gave me all the energy I needed to carry through even though I wasn't sleeping. I got a new vision. Verse 33, and those people... Have you noticed in some of these stories, it's the people? If it weren't for the people, 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 these disciples are saying, people, leave us alone. What did Jesus just told them? Go over yonder, get away from the people and get some rest. Notice what it says. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him and ran afoot thither out of all cities and outwent them. And came together unto him. <laughs> they went over yonder, but guess who met him there? All the people. All the people that were thronging them over on this side of the shore met them when the boat showed up over on that side of the shore. They outwent them. They ran faster than the boat went. Incredible. Do you think that encouraged the disciples? Do you think they said, hallelujah, I'm so glad these people are here. People, people, people. I think their first thought was to get back in the boat and come back where they were, thinking they would leave the people there. It's interesting to see what Jesus, how Jesus reacted to this. 
did Jesus think, oh, these people. Wherever I go, there's people, and they're so demanding. Everybody wants something of me. Demanding, he's thinking, I'm sure, right? The people came with needs. Because of those needs, they outran the disciples and Jesus. And they came, each of them came down, weighed down with these needs. Health needs, emotional needs, hurts in their hearts. And they needed someone to hear them and understand them and bring a healing to them. They had expectations in Jesus. Quite frankly, they gave no consideration to Jesus' needs. They weren't thinking, oh, I bet you Jesus needs some rest time. I'll bet you these poor disciples, they've been working, they need to be left alone. But what about that poor widow that just lost her husband, that's grieving? What about that man that is, 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 is now got this bad physical ailment? And it is taking him out of the workforce. Who's going to provide for his family? Life has major problems. And these people came down with major problems. And they're waiting there on the seashore. And their eyes are full of expectation all in Jesus. In John, it says, John 6, verse 2, it says, And a great multitude followed him. Why? Because they saw his, his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. They came because they had expectations that he could help them. They came because they believed that Jesus could help them. It's interesting, when we have a need, when we're burdened down with a need, when a trial comes our way, our cause seems to override everybody else's. I walked into our post office in Johnstown one time, and it was in the early afternoon. And I walked in, and our post office shuts down around lunchtime. I walk in, and the gates are down there. I mean, they, they make it obvious you can't get in. So you walk in the front door, but then you walk in the little hallway there, and there's big gates there, and so you can't get up to the counter. So there's these big gates there. So I walk up because I see the employee there is beginning to open the gates. So I'm standing there right in front of the gate. The gate's getting ready to go up. As I do, the person lifted gate goes like this to me. And I look, and there's about eight people all lined up over here waiting to get in. They're a nice, neat line, and they're not looking at me real favorably because I just walk in front of all of them who have been waiting ahead of me. You see, I had a need. I needed stamps at that post office, and I was oblivious to their even being there. And of course, I, I apologized and slunk to the back and felt about this high. But when we have needs, we tend to ignore the needs of others. In Matthew 7, 3, And why beholdest thou the mote is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that's in thine own eye? What did Jesus do? Jesus told his disciples now, they're exhausted, they told them to go get some rest, but the people met them there, so what did Jesus do? Did he say to his disciples, sorry, fellas, I'm so sorry. Listen, let me send these people away so I can minister to you. We can have the sweet time. Is that what he did? Let's find out here. 
verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion for them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. He saw the crowd. He saw the hurt along with anticipation etched in their eyes. His heart was greatly touched by what he saw and he knew he had to help them. He wasn't going to turn them away. These are people that needed him. Interesting, he did not begin by healing people. The Bible doesn't say he started here by healing. Why did he not begin healing them? Simply, I think, is because the people that were there were the ones that were able to run clear around the lake. I doubt they had any broken legs. They ran. So these were the people coming, not with major physical infirmities. They had other needs. But they were needs nonetheless. Luke 9, 11, the people, <clears throat> when they knew it, <clears throat> followed him, and he received them, and spake of, unto them of the kingdom of God, and healed them that had need of healing. Which tends to suggest, initially he began teaching and preaching, but then others began coming with physical needs. It took them a little longer to get there, but he ministered, he began teaching, and then as he saw the physical ailments begin showing up, then he began healing them because he was compassionate to their needs. Was Jesus not compassionate with his own disciples? Was he oblivious to their needs? What are the disciples doing while Jesus is ministering to the crowds? They're ministering along with him. Verse 35. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, <laughs> that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. <clears throat> I sense an ulterior motive here. Send them away for their benefit. So they can get some food. After all, we feel bad for them. Send them away. These are the people. Send them away so they can go refresh themselves. And so we can get some free time. It's funny that Jesus, or my sorry, the disciples gave Jesus a news alert as if he didn't know. Uh, Jesus, um, the, the day is far spent. It's like Jesus, oh, oh really? I didn't notice. What was their solution? Their solution was to send the people away. And that's too, too often our solution, is to send the people, the needs, away. The crowd came ill-prepared to spend the day. Ever think about that? We know the story. Of course, Jesus sent the disciples out to find how much food is there, and they one comes back and he finds one little lad with a sack lunch. Why didn't they all bring a sack lunch? Why didn't they all come with coolers full of sandwiches? It says the only food there in this mass of people is one little sack lunch. What are they thinking? I think they're thinking, number one, they're thinking that we're not going to be there all day. They're thinking, we don't really care what's going on. We've got such needs. Jesus is going over there. We're going to outrun him. 
They didn't come thinking it all through. They just knew that he was over there. They're going to go over there and spend time with him. They didn't come prepared for the day. Well, the disciples saw here's their opportunity. Now we can finally get that rest. After all day long of waiting for it and ministering, finally we can get that rest that Jesus promised us. So did Jesus now say, okay, fellas, send them away? Is that what he said? It's time to get some rest. Send them away. That's what they said. Verse 37, the beginning of the verse says, He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. Why don't you disciples now go feed them? They came and said, Hey, the people are really getting hungry and the day is far spent. We need to send them to some food. Jesus said, That's a good idea. Go feed them. Go feed them. That wasn't our idea, Jesus. We wanted to get rid of them, not feed them. <laughs> 37b, and they say unto him, Shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? One commentator suggests that's how much money they had, about $35. Should we take all our money we have and go buy? That won't be sufficient to buy enough fruit for everybody. In other words, they argued a bit with Jesus. Have we learned yet that it's not really wise to argue with Jesus? Verse 38, he saith unto them, Well, how many loaves have ye? <laughs> Go and see. And when they knew, they say five and two fishes. So they came back with some absurdity. <laughs> And he answered their absurdity with some absurdity. So how much food do they have? Well, they've got five fish and, and uh, uh, some loaves. That's it. So obviously that's not enough. That might take care of the one boy who brought it, but not everybody else, Jesus. So now we've got to send them away. Now we've got to send them away because you obviously can't fix this problem. This problem is way too big for you to fix. Look at all the people, Jesus. You sent us to find out how much food there was. We found it out. And you know, Jesus, you can't do anything here. Ooh, now, they didn't say that, but isn't that really what they're saying? John's gospel records that Andrew, the disciple, is the one who discovered this young lad with a sack lunch. Verse 39 and he, Jesus, commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. Jesus was not discouraged. He was not deterred in his plan. He said, okay, fellas, you twelve, I want you to take this mass of people, well over 5,000 people here. I want you to take and organize them, because Jesus is an orderly God. I want you to organize them now for me. Which means the disciples were not getting rest. They had to know, now go through the people and count them out and put them in groups of people to organize them. That's work. Because not every people <laughs> enjoys being told what to do or where to go. And that was their responsibility to work with the people and have them see it their way. There's work. 
emotions being stirred here. The disciples are still working. They're a little bewildered. What in the world is Jesus doing? He told us to feed the people, and we've only got one sack lunch. I wonder what in the world. Man, are we going to look foolish here in a little bit. Mark used a very interesting choice of words in describing the scene. He said, set them down in ranks. In ranks. The word ranks literally means garden beds. So as you would look at this hillside, you would see neat little patches of people. And because the men at the time wore colorful clothing, it's like, like a little patch of carrots over here. A patch of radishes over here. It looked like a, a nicely manicured garden on that hillside. Verse 41, And when he had thank, taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and brake the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. Jesus thanked his father by faith. He's got one sack lunch. He's got over 5,000 people. And before them all, he says, Heavenly Father, thank you for this food we're going to partake. Thank you for providing for us today. Don't you think some of them were thinking this guy's a nut? What in the world? Crazy. His own disciples had no idea what he was doing. They were expecting rest somehow, and instead they were getting an entire day's work. Verse 42, and they did all eat and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments and the fishes, and they, did, they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. So he fed 5,000 men plus any wives and children that happened to be attending on that day. They were all filled. Can you imagine? Whoa, I can't eat another bite. Not another bite. There was one sack lunch, and everybody got stuffed. Whoa, no more for me, thank you. Not only that, they had 12 baskets left over. Why 12 baskets? There were 12 disciples. Perhaps Jesus wanted that image to burn deeply into their soul. Every man that worked there, all each 12 disciples, walked away after the day was done, after every person had been filled. Now they're all carrying themselves a basket full of food. Jesus is intimating, you didn't think I could do it, did you? You didn't think I could feed them, did you? You were all worried and fretful. Take a look. This is after I fed all of them. Look what you had. <laughs> Starts off by Jesus saying, okay, fellas, we have a, you've had a big time now. You've had this, 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 uh, this mission. You've come back now. We need to have some time of rest. So go over yonder, and we're going to have some time of rest. And, of course, that ended up to an entire day of serving. Well, renewed hope, verse 45. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship. Whew, finally. Into the ship. <laughs> now we're going to get some rest. And to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. Jesus said, guess what, disciples? It's time for me to send away the people. <laughs> they didn't do it. But inside, they're jumping for joy. Finally, 
send them away. They're getting the boat. John's gospel records the likely reason Jesus had to constrain or compel his disciples. Why? Why did he have to constrain them or compel them? He urged them. The wording here means he urged him, his disciples. Why did he have to urge them? Well, the crowd, by this time, we see in the other gospels, was beginning to become more and more forceful in trying to force Jesus to take over as a governmental protest. Be the king, Jesus. Be our king. Be our king. And lead us into revolt against the Roman government. And more and more, they're calling for him to take over. And Jesus, fellas, it's time. They're starting to get agitated. It's time. So, fellas, sneak away now and go get in the boat. I'll meet you shortly. I'm going to send the crowds away. Verse 46, And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. Jesus sent the disciples on away. What did he do? He went to pray. Jesus had been giving out. Giving and giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. He needed some filling. He needed time of refreshment with his Heavenly Father. Because of the overwhelming support he received that day, his humanity may have been tempted to get proud. He was tempted in all points, like as we. Is it possible on that day, because of all the people that he helped, in his humanity he was tempted to say, look what I did. He did not do that, but he was likely tempted in that area. Why? Because it's all points. That's why the points were tempted. His prayer would have provided the strength he needed to resist any temptation. Verse 47, when the evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. It's dark now, eventide. Dark, the, the fellows, the disciples are on the water, they're in the boat, they're crossing the lake, and Jesus is on a hillside praying. Verse 48a, and he saw them toiling. Toiling? I thought they were supposed to get some rest. He saw them working hard in rowing. Why? For the wind was contrary to them. Not only were they not getting their expected rest, they were fighting this wind, having to work hard against the wind. They were already exhausted. This trial, Jesus knew, could dishearten them. So they needed his presence. Verse 48b, and about the fourth watch of the night, that's somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. Have you been out at 3.30 in the morning lately? It's rather dark. Between 3 and 6 a.m. He cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. It was dark, and he's walking in this storm. So the sea is not calm. He's walking on the waves. The waves that are threatening the lives of the disciples, Jesus is simply walking on. Jesus is not bothered by the waves. They're under his feet. He is in complete control of these waves that the disciples are all worried about. Jesus isn't. He's in control. 
He confidently walked right into the storm. He acted as if he were going to keep walking right on by them because he wanted them to call out for him. Not just watch him in fascination saying, look what Jesus can do. Woo, what a trick. Verse 49, but when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Verse 51, And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased. What was their reaction? They were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. We talked last week about this reaction of being amazed, bewildered. When Jesus does something, whoa, wow, I can't believe you did that. Wow, I can't believe you did that. Wow, that's so incredible. Wow. Do you know what it takes to make that kind of a reaction? Unbelief. I did not believe. There's the problem. Verse 52, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves. They forgot the miracle they had just been a part of. For their heart was hardened. Their, their problem has just been exposed. They're full of amazement because Jesus showed up walking in the water. <gasps> I can't believe it. Why can't you believe it? Why can't you believe? You just saw me feed 5,000 people with a little sack lunch, and now you're telling me I can't control the waves? The word hardened can also mean blinded, this particular word. They had been disappointed from diversions from the promised rest so many times. They actually became blind to what Jesus was really trying to accomplish. Their response reflects most of us who feel God should treat us a certain way or will get angry or disillusioned. When God does not come through for us like we expect, we get disillusioned. We don't trust Him. They cried out in fear instead of faith to the one who could help. In chapter 16 and verse 14 of Mark, it says, Afterward, He appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Even after Jesus rose from the dead, the disciples struggled with unbelief. He had told them, I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back. And when he did, they didn't believe it. Well, the story began by Jesus saying, let's go get some rest. Well, these poor disciples have been through the ringer. <laughs> Let's see where the story goes. Verse 53, when they had passed over, remember this, they came through the storm, all night long out there rowing. Now, it must have been early in the morning, sometime early, because for them to see him, there must have been some early morning light there for them to see him in the first place. So when they spent all night long out there on the water. When they had passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore. When they were come out of the ship straightway, they knew him and ran through that whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick 
where they heard he was. When are we talking about? They had been on the water all night long. They finally got to shore. And the people met them. The people with all their needs. The people were there. The people originally, the day before, they tried to get away and find some rest. But they ran around and met them over there. All night long, they went to escape the people, and the people showed up over here. People, people, people. Again, how much more can they take? What Jesus do? Verse 56. And whithersoever he entered, into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. I don't see rest in the entire story. I don't see Jesus saying, okay, fellas, that's enough. Your test is over. Now, we know that Jesus is very, very compassionate. We know that. He is with us. But because of Jesus' compassion, there are times when he allows us to go for extended periods of time with no rest because of his compassion for others allowing us to minister to their needs. You see, Jesus gave to his disciples an example of living for others. Mark saw Jesus and his disciples as servants. Servants have no right to consider their own needs, their own wants, only that of their master. So here's the conclusion. The disciples missed out on a time of rest. Now, I think, more than likely, though it does not record it, at some point they got that rest. But that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is Jesus had them continuing to serve, continuing to serve, continuing. So, so they missed out on rest. But what did they receive instead of rest? Well, first of all, they got to participate in watching Jesus perform this miracle of feeding the over 5,000. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there on that day? Wouldn't that have been incredible to be there on that hillside and watch and look around? And you're looking down this aisle and this aisle, and you don't see one sandwich. There's not one ham sandwich over here, not one ham sandwich. No, there's nothing there. Of course, there wouldn't be ham sandwiches in the first place, but no food anywhere except for one little boy who's got a sack lunch. And at first... <laughs> 5,000 people looking at his sack lunch. <laughs> you know, Jesus took that sack lunch, and all of a sudden, he fed them all. Whew, they got to participate in that. They got a chance to see Jesus walk on the waves of the storm. I've not done that. I've not saw Jesus doing that. They got an opportunity to go through an upper-level course on faith with Jesus himself. Master's degree course. A doctorate in faith. And they got the chance to be used to meet the needs of hurting people. You see, there's Jesus' heartbeat. Jesus is compassionate. And when he sees needs, 
the Bible term is bowels yearn. He literally feels their hurt. So for us, for you and for me, we who get weary, get tired, one more chance to help somebody, but I've already helped so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, I'm, I'm tired. And it's almost like Jesus saying, hey, listen, I'm going to give you the rest. I'm going to restore your vision. I'm going to help you see all the wonderful things you're going to be doing here along the way. Eventually, it's going to be blessed, and you will have a time of rest. You will be able to be refreshed in a way you cannot believe because I am going to take you to be with me in heaven forever and ever and ever. And that time is coming shortly. He said, it's coming shortly. You have that to look forward to. But right now, right now, there's not time to do a lot of resting. Right now, there's people that are hurting. And so let's serve. Let's you and I find our vision renewed. Our vision renewed in Jesus, realizing that his heartbeat is to help others. His heartbeat is to rope his sleeves and wherever there's a need to meet that need. And as he exerts himself this way from his heavenly father, he receives strength this way. So let's just get in the habit of being used by God. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for giving us this classic example of servanthood. And Lord, it's, it's a tiring story. Because from the beginning, I look for when they're finally going to get rest. But Lord, I believe they got their rest and their refreshment of a renewed vision in you. Help us, Lord, to find our strength as Jesus did on the hillside in prayer. As our heads are bowed, I wonder, are you tired tonight? Have you been serving? <laughs> but perhaps you're weary and well-doing? Rest is coming. Rest assured, rest is coming. But right now it's time to work. So let's make sure that we are staying close to God. Let's make sure that we're taking time to pray. And let's make sure that we see people as Jesus did. Lord, would you please help us for these things. And Spirit of God, we need your aid to do it. We'll thank you for it. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.